two. Fuck, Steve, you did it wrong. It's five, four. Live from New York, Ugh. it's Saturday night. It's Dude, Tuesday. it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. <laughs> and technically, it's supposed to be uh, a this. very, very different intro. But anyways. Not live, not New York, probably not Saturday night when I post this. Maybe Saturday night. It's Saturday night somewhere. Jimmy Fallon is laughing in the background somewhere. Yep. Absolutely. Uncontrollably. Because apparently he drinks a lot. I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. That's a little sad, I guess. (laughs) Apparently all his broken bones come from having a few too many wobbly pops, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how he almost broke his finger off? Broken finger with the wedding rings swollen and shenanigans and suit? Okay, anyways. That's relevant. Yep. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me, as always, are... Dan. Ward. Mike. Steve. Cool. Let's just jump right into it, guys. What the fuck have you been working on? Fallout 4. Uh, <laughs> so... Oh, oh, me too, me too. <laughs> Hobbying suffered. Um, and there's a few other little things I've been doing in, uh, in the personal life as well, And but new new business started, so that's kind of cool, but not a lot of hobbying. In fact, you guys saw the first bit of hobbying this week, which was the drop-on for the tournament we're headed to. That's me. I'm done. Man, I, I've been really bad because I've been playing a lot of bass, <laughs> which is really sad. This could be one of those episodes where is we that get your char- Is that your character in Fallout 4? <laughs> my character's no. name is Taters. <laughs> no, my shut up and take my money with some new bass pedals. And so hey, I've just been. we already said shut up and take my bottle caps is the... Oh, sorry. This was I don't know Fallout. We've been over this. So I don't know. Um, you, need to, you need to drink tons of Nuka-Cola and pay for everything in bottle caps and you're good. That's yep. fair. Well, no, I have been assembling some more Malifaux models, getting ready to paint, and then I picked up the new start. Well, I'll talk. I picked up something which made me not get any more work done on Malifaux models. Let's put it that way. That's pretty sweet. I'm actually really stoked. And it's not it. the same thing that, that Charlie Sheen picked up. To be fair, you picked that up four years ago. Four years so. ago. That's yeah. fair. Okay. I actually do feel bad for the guy. The extortion thing, that sucks. I didn't hear about that part. That's why he went public, apparently. Huh. Yeah, because he's been extorted for four years. Oh. Yeah. Weird. Weird. Why you want to just come out then and saved how much money? Just because he well, wanted to be the guy that had tiger blood in his veins. <laughs> and he's not—he's not known for his wise decisions either. That's yeah. fair. put it that way. Totally fair. Mike, well, it's already to be. Just jump right. Oh past yeah, it's it's a bad week, Dan. And well, well, well we're not—we're not going in the purple circle. We just went from shit, we're zigzagging reference. But if we're going from Steve and around no, again we, in Radio Land, you can all see it. But oh yeah, Tom did start talking. Yeah, that's I was gonna right, say Dad. I just don't pay attention Mike, when Tom talks. Yeah, I, I want to know, Mike, what have you done this week, and what level are you in Fallout? <laughs> I actually didn't buy it because I knew if I <gasps> bought it, I wouldn't get anything That's done smart. because That's I was going to buy Battlefront today. Yes, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because of that, I did get the other half of my Covenant is almost done. Uh, nice. Yeah. So you're still working on uh, Dystopian, eh? Yep. Boats. Cool. Boats. Boats, Boats and our hose. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> those, are, those are small. We want way too many. Fact, you'll probably see a picture of them Way before this gets posted. Nice. You're gonna. Cool. You're actually that close to finishing it. Like yeah, this. it's like basically one edge highlight on five of them and some airbrush show us all. So tonight you'll be done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go home and go to bed, man. Shut up. <laughs> Ward. 
Uh, you can't control me. My character in Fallout 4 is Zelda. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I bought Star Wars today, so... So you're really screwed. So yeah, we won't see you for a couple And I was weeks. in Manitoba last week, so... Just say you didn't do anything. I, Just I, say it. I cleaned some battle tech. What goes without saying. That sounds familiar. Yes, because <laughs> the Megaton Challenge, I'm going to try to paint at least one Megaton, so... Nice. One or, megaton? Or 1,000. Oh, that's that's 1, an insane tons. amount of miniatures. So. Yes, 1,000 tons is my goal. The kiloton. Yeah. Yes, the kiloton. That. Yeah, that's, the individual that's a starter challenge. set. I'll be doing that in April. Well, equivalent to a starter set. Oh, yeah, because we have the whole year. Yeah, we have the whole year. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, keep playing Fallout. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a high likelihood. The that only danger there is that the carpal tunnel gets so bad that you can't hold a paintbrush anymore. Or a building. Oh, that's a good point. Yes, that's true. You can't paint. Oh, well, you, you had, you had your hand around your wrist. I thought you might have got the collector's edition, and you was going to say something like, "I can't get my Pip Boy off" or something. <laughs> I don't know. As it came with the Pip Boy, right? That's which is actually pretty sweet. One of my coworkers brought in the Pip Boy, and as far as nerd stuff goes, it's pretty badass. Like you put your phone in there with a Pip Boy app, and it actually looks like a Pip Boy, and it ties into your inventory in the game. And yeah, stuff. what? Yeah. It's oh. badass. How much was it? I, I don't know. The collector's I, edition was like two hundred dollars, and they sold out in like a second. Yeah, like a year ago. So yeah. oh. I kind of fucked for that. Yeah, I actually played a game. Of you can build your own, this I week. suppose, if you go all cosplayer on it. I've actually seen better cosplay Pip Boys than the actual for sale ones. Yeah, but that's fair. You still just plug your phone in and use the app. So the uh, mm. I was playing a game of forty k this week, uh, and Kyle uh, had the collector's edition, but his did not ship because they again he like bought it instantaneously and it sold out, and then then uh, Best Buy had some issues with shipping and that kind of thing. I heard so he was that. like. I have bought the collector's edition and I can't play the game on release day. What the fuck is this? Like <laughs> that happened when Space Marine came out. I pre-ordered it and didn't get it for like that's a right. Month. That's right. I, I forgot because you had the you had the banners and stuff that came with that one, right? Uh, no, I bought the collector's edition. Didn't it have the chapter it was, badge or something was, like that? Yeah, there was the like the um, purity seal, purity seal, and the yeah. soundtrack and all that jazz. So. Purity seal. That's right. Dan, so, again, what level are you? I'm only about <laughs> level 10 due to I can't stop crafting. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, I've had the occasional crash bug where I lose, like, hours of progress and stuff, too. So, yeah, yeah crashing to desktop Whoa. when you, like, leave the crafting station after spending, like, a year in yeah, there. Yeah, that'll do it. It's a bit of a problem. So no I'm, chance to save. Okay, so I'm ahead, <laughs> I'm ahead of you. But I did clean and magnetize a little bit of battle tech, so that's that's kind of, like, progress. Level le- a level uh, 11. Welcome to video I think, night I think I'm literally, like, a sliver away from level 11. Okay, I actually have a really funny comment <laughs> on this one. So there is officially something in common between Hobby Night in Canada and Pornhub. That's true. Our productivity did go like measurably down. <laughs> Pornhub actually had like a measurable decrease in traffic the day that Fallout came out. And they say, yeah, this happens every time there's a major video game release. They have like. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I it, don't was, know. it was like a, oh. a 10 to 20% drop. In for like the first 12 eight, hours yeah. after the game went the live The demographics on Steve. are concerning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, live on Steam, not live on oh, Steve. That's, I don't know. Yeah. We were talking about Pornhub, I should specify. You don't have like a weird I, thing I, going on. Not there. that you know of. Uh, <laughs> moving on, though. Yeah, moving on. So, since we were all pathetic this week. Uh, okay, does anyone have whoa, anything? Whoa, 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 whoa. What? No, Mike was great. Mike was Mike did pre- Mike did pretty well, but we, that goes without saying. We just exclude him, and Mike oh. is in his own category of always doing something hobby related. We need to get then, our act together. Yeah. And we need to challenge somebody that we know that we can kick the crap out of. That also Two plays a lot of video games. Count, Ward. 
What? Two-year-olds don't count. I'm thinking five. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, well, Brian Sansud is getting into War Machine, so... We could beat him. <laughs> uh, all right, so who has something other than Fallout to talk about for Shut Up and Take My Money? Bottle caps. Shut up and take my bottle caps. Get it right. Shut up and take my bottle caps. There you go. Well, I think it's pretty obvious this week... Uh, Between Fallout and Horace Heresy starter boxes, which mine actually just, mine actually got shipped to Steve's house, so when I came here, it was like, oh, hey, where did these come from? That's awesome. Funny story, it still, it means that you still don't have your AVP. Yes, when there was mystery boxes (laughs) delivered to Steve's house. Yeah, I totally thought it was AVP. I thought it might have been AVP, but no, it was the Horace Heresy starter boxes from Imaginary Wars in Calgary. That's pretty sweet. So who here has actually purchased uh, the Heresy starter boxes? By a show of hands. And on a show of hands. <laughs> I used to hold up both my hands because I bought two. It's three three out of five, right? You guys? Yeah. yeah. I bought mine so at Warfare, 11 a.m. So. on the first day. Holy shit. This is, this is blowing my mind that, Tom, you have bought 40K. No! Not I did not buy 40K, Steve. Shut your dirty whore's mouth. No, 30K. You're, you're playing into the 40K realm of IP. Like, anything involving that, I thought I thought you would never see this day. That you okay. would even have a space so, marine now, that is new. That's his booty call. I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah. first and foremost, this is in fact this week's Moose Knuckle Minute. Because I didn't necessarily want anyone to see me buying 40K but related they models. posted the selfie anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Which apparently got more views than anything else we've ever done. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I think for me, I've said it before on this podcast that... If there ever was, but I don't real, listen to what you say on the podcast. That's true. If there ever was real Legion rules for Iron Warriors in 40k, or affordable 30k, I would do it in a heartbeat. And that used to be a safe statement. Yeah, Not anymore. Used, used it was. It, I thought I was going to be fine for at least another 10 years. I'm pretty stoked about this because at the at the bare minimum it means I can play a game of 30k, Space Marines versus Space Marines. Hot Space Marine on Space Marine action with yeah. my Salamanders against just your Iron Warriors. That's pretty cool. And I gotta be honest here, I'm fucking excited. And I'm probably gonna sneak in a game with my LR against your stuff too because you can you can do that. I know they say <laughs> they're separate standalone systems, but plenty of people play it that way. So if you are, uh, you really don't like Space Marines, but you wanna, you know, you have a friend that wants to play it, you can mix the two. So don't get too up uppity about it. Okay. And in all honesty, I'm even looking at Forgeable shit now. Like, well, Forgeable stuff has always been. In all honesty, the, probably the best miniatures range out there. The, but the it was too expensive yeah. before to get all the marines that cost, what, like, 80 bucks a unit? I'm not allowed to know what they cost. We've been over <laughs> this. Actually, if you're looking at a full heresy tactical squad with, or not, la, la, legion la, la, squad la, la. with fingers in my upgrades, ears, continue. because you can you can do just the regular bodies without bolters, which means you really don't have enough. They're like $135. Like, that's... Is it seriously that much money Somebody you spent? tap me yeah. on the shoulder when I'm allowed to yeah. pull my fingers out of my yeah, ears. Yeah, by the time you do like okay, upgrades, Dan, weapons, I have a question. you're at about 130 bucks. How some. many units did you buy? For what? Like basic 40k <laughs> I heresy all the context marines. Of my fingers. <laughs> basic heresy marines. How many units? Oh, Before God. the plastic ones, obviously. The resin ones? Not that many, and I, I have sold and traded a few away as... You know, no, 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 flat them, out, how many have you bought? He's, you're avoiding the question. I on, I don't know, because I've been buying them <laughs> how many in random batches forever, and there, half of them are still in bins, half of them are built. Is it at least 50? Probably. Is it at least 60? That's where I'm, I don't know if it's more than 50 or 60. That's the gray area. Now also plus remember, Terminators, plus Remember, a, a Legion plus, squad plus, is, plus. is 20. So that might be the disconnect here, Tom. It's twice as big as your normal, a normal tactical squad. That, that's a big unit. It is a big unit. 
So the but yeah, you're right. The the Forge World models have always been incredible. Because it's what twenty three. I'm thinking now. It's twenty three pounds for. I thought you're not bodies, supposed to know. Right? No, I'm not adding everything. <laughs> I can know the individual components. I just can't discuss them all at the same time, or my brain will put the pieces together. But I think five bodies is twenty three pounds yeah. with no guns. Yeah. Okay, it's so really it's expensive. ten dollars per model plus two dollars per bolter plus all the extra shit that I can't help myself. Times twenty. Go so the there. moral of the story <laughs> is that this new box for 180 bucks for 30 marines, five terminators, two characters, and a contemptor is fucking amazing. It's yeah, crazy. You, you basically get the the cost the entire you, for the cost of two normal squads, you get the rest of the the box for free. Effectively, it's actually that much of a deal. Like you're getting and it actually comes with decals, the cataphract, and a squad. Only if you want to play word bearers or ultramarines, but. Yeah, yeah, but, but word bears are the coolest. The thing is, is if you haven't seen the Forge World uh, p- bundle deals that they're already doing, you can pick a Legion now and just get all the upgrade bits. So those are your- fucking stupid. Those are a waste of money. I don't think so. I don't think so because you're actually you're you're getting you're still getting a deal if you did all those upgrade bits, like all those shoulder pads and that kind of thing. Whose bottle caps are we spending right now? <laughs> Mine. <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be picking up the the Forge World Salamanders deal because it is a. It is I'm a, doing just the shoulder pads and the heads because the torsos are. Kinda I kind of like the Salamanders torsos because they're like they have all the Drake scales draped off of them. I think it's pretty cool. Whereas the Iron Warriors ones, I was talking with Dan. Apparently, the logo on the chest means Bolter Marine. So why the yeah, fuck that, would I put that on my heavy weapon guys? The little star-looking logo on their chest apparently is like basic line trooper insignia from Rogue Trader. So a lot of people really? are like, oh, hey, I'll buy the torsos for upgrading characters and sergeants and stuff. Except that symbol is actually for line troopers, not for specialists That's hilarious. or sergeants no idea. or characters. Just for the Iron Warriors. Just the yeah. Iron Warriors one, yeah. Yeah, that I wouldn't do that. That's so not. theirs is oddly specific. And, and Mike, you were saying that the uh, the Death Guard uh, torsos you were not happy with. Those the head, The torsos are good. The torsos, I don't like. The heads, I, I think, are hideous, to be honest. And uh, you can buy it all separate, too. Like, yeah. if, if you were getting everything, you save some money. But in all yeah. honesty, cutting out one of the bits... Across the whole army, yeah, it'd be very saves you way more. And just as a disclaimer as well, um, Forge World bundles generally save you a reasonable amount of money. Like if you're buying one of the like multiple Titans or multiple Knights or multiple Rhinos or whatever, a lot of those generally save you like 10, 20, 50 pounds depending on the size of the deal. These ones only save you a couple, like under five. So if you're gonna buy like a Titan Demi Legion, sweet. (laughs) So if you're buying so much money, so if you're buying some of those like. (laughs) Any other bundle, it's not so bad, but the Forge World bundles that include the um, Betrayal at Kalth set actually only save you a couple of pounds out of, like, a significant amount of money, rather than saving you, like, 5, 10, 15 percent. Yeah. So they're, they're a couple of bucks, but it's not as big of a deal. So if you are on the fence, if you're thinking, maybe I'll use the shoulder pads, I'll use one set of heads, but I don't need all those torsos, you're not really missing out on any significant yeah. savings by just buying the parts separately. And getting exactly what you want. Maybe buy a Primark instead of torsos you're not going to use for the same amount of money. Rewinding it back to the original point, I think what we were kind of touching on is the the cool units in, uh, that Forge World produces, like your Contemptors, like your uh, Pirate class, uh, that kind of thing, yep. were always awesome and you always wanted to pick those up, but you needed to have that... 30 uh, marine sort of intro level of yeah, to ridiculous get expenditure for sword chart, yeah. and now you don't have to you can now, just pick up yeah. you can cherry pick the cool stuff basically for under 400 bucks you've got your legion yeah and then you're just buying whatever cool things you want well that's exactly the the thing that i like about this is you pick up the box set you grab a primark you're playing. okay how much do you spend on fucking drop zone michael what whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> no no you're laughing at 
me because that's expensive. How much do you spend on fucking Drop Zone? And I never quibble like pr- on price like you do, Tom. That's why it's You are the penny pitcher, man. I've never held back. That's fair. That is fair. But again, for I guess we need to sort of you have expectations for this game, and 30k is expensive. Everybody knew that. It took it from the insane level yes. back down to the level of every other game, which by comparison is a massive difference. So and everyone's not super every happy. other game, but pretty close. Like if you want to buy all the all the models from Alifo, you might be okay, in the now, same range as 180 me, bucks. I actually did this math out because I do love my Malifo. Yeah, 180 bucks with current pricing gets you three st- uh, crew boxes. Yeah, and then you get all the other blisters, that kind of thing. You're you're basically looking at a similar, like not crazy level of, of difference of cost. Which is really cool because forty I mean, yeah, k thirty really k never had that before. Like the Good cost Lord. of buying you another army would get you like a squad and a character. Heaven forbid you even started thinking about Mechanicum stuff too, because then it got <laughs> stupid. Yeah. And I think where it gets really interesting for me is that normally Games Workshop starters it's been a great deal. It's a great deal. You, but it's only if you wanted one of those armies, and then you're trading with other guys, and you're getting a bunch of repeat yeah. models of the same shit. And this oftentimes, is, this is really their their original starter set, the one that catapulted them into red versus edition. blue. Red versus blue. They're doing oh, the gotcha. exact same starter set from way back in the day. Yeah, it's that sort of heresy style. We needed to come up with a way of selling this game. We wanted to only produce one plastic model. And it literally is red versus blue. It still. is red versus blue. Still, yeah, to this day, yeah. that just blew my mind. <laughs> Did you not realize that? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love think- it. I, I think for me... Because for me, my word bearers, my word bearers when I paint them are gray, so I don't think of them as being red. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough, because they're not that far advanced. Yeah. Yet. My, the ones I was painting were pre-Kalth sort of thing. Gotcha, so. gotcha. Yeah, and honestly, it's one of those things where you can do this for comfortably under $1,000 for basically everything you want. <laughs> I just about lost my Slippy all over my laptop. Comfortably. Yeah. <laughs> comfortably under $1,000. Well, no, for a 40k army, uh, again, we're talking 30k, but I keep coming back to 40k, that's actually fairly reasonable. <laughs> that's a funny thing! I know. And I'm not going to be spending that much, but, well, no, can, fuck. Once like, I get the hey, Primark and the bikes and the... Don't think about it. That's my rule. <laughs> that's my rule for it. You're never no, allowed to know what it costs. You can play this game if you pick up the book, the Primark, and the starter no, set. No, fuck! You can You're play playing. this game with the starter set. There's a good rule set in there. Oh, for you mean the board game? The board game is cool. Actually? Yeah, it looks like a you, lot of fun. You actually read the rules? Yeah. I'm shocked. I haven't heard anything about the board game. on Like, through all the sites that I, I troll from Wargaming News, not a single person has mentioned the board it game. It looks fucking cool. I've seen the, I've seen one or two people going over the rules and like, wow, this game actually looks really interesting. I can't wait to play it. So no actual feedback, but people are liking the pamphlet. So hmm. it's a step in the right Do, direction. It know? is a longer pamphlet than Age of Sigmar. Let's look at it that way. Oh, that's pretty sad. Uh, does anybody know if they're going to expand the board game? Uh, is this a standalone, just, here's a board game to go with your miniatures for 30k? That's where the rumors start and the facts end. Because so, I've heard so many things about this replacing Lord of the Rings, and it will be the new third line, but I can't imagine it's going to be the full-on Horus Heresy third line, because they'd have to have Forge World books in the store, and that starts to get crazy. No, no, they Steve, just, they, they don't care can't. about stocking things in the store anymore. It's all just to get it direct ordered off the website, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. But regardless, they're, the facts ended a long time ago. That's not where... We don't really know where they're going with this. If they start parting out the set or adding to the set with rules in the box, who knows? So the point of the whole thing, we're going around the table. Everybody here is going to have a 30k army with the correct number that matches their uh, jersey that we have. If anybody has seen us at tournaments, we all have the... No, Dan won't. Dan... 
That's true. I'm not painting him Raven Guard. Oh no! You have to. You have. You have two I need sets. another jersey now. You have two sets, <laughs> <laughs> but you have two sets. Couldn't you do both? No, they're all going to be word bears. The but they're you start doing Raven Guard. Anyways. Some of them would. Some of them will probably be painted as Raven Guard eventually. I do want to do a squad because I don't have any mark. I have one Mark IV Marine in that army, and that's not enough. And Sorry, no, please, I have three. Can we please just quickly touch on the fact that their Raven Guard uh, sniper Marines are some of the only only a hundred dollars per five models? Don't worry about it though. Just a game. You don't pay attention <laughs> to pricing of Forge World. But the problem is when it's one number and not numbers added together, you can't help but know fifty <laughs> times two equals a hundred dollars for five guys. Those are they are models. insanely pretty, but Jesus fuck, they're expensive. Just pick up five. Hey Dan, they're only twenty. I can't model. not just buy. Two uh, sets. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. can we move on before I start getting depressed again? Yeah. Well, anyways, <laughs> most of us will be painting up yes. the army that corresponds with our legion that is on our jersey. Which I'm for me was a total stoked. fucking fluke, by the way. I'm super stoked to finish up my salamanders because I've always wanted to go back and redo the tactical marines, and now I can just literally dump these ones in the trash. Yeah. Yep. So stay <laughs> tuned. We will actually be having some further content on our heresy adventures. But we still don't know if Ward agreed to it yet. Oh, I called him out on that, did I? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, no, that's no. for another episode, but we'll badger him off air. We'll badger him off air, and we will request... Here's the deal. Ken Bish. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> if Ward agrees to do this, can you lay off him a bit? But if he doesn't do it, you have to harass him even more. I don't know if that's possible. He might get, like, the police showing up. <laughs> <laughs> We've had reports of online abuse. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook already tries to block the odd post for like verbal abuse or whatever. They have to <laughs> unclick it because God, it's funny. <laughs> oh my God! All right, All right, moving on. So our we're gonna, first, we're going to talk about something that's not really entirely. The, this is the first time we've ever sort of ventured into this subject matter. I think. I think so. Yeah, I'm well, kind of excited for this because I know nothing about this. Which is fair. Um, one of the things uh, we like to talk about today is taking pictures. So to start that off, we're going to go through and review some of the different cameras filters. that you can use. We're not uh, Instagram filters. No, right? no, that's so in the second segment. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I gotcha. No, you're, gotcha. No, Instagramming is phase two. Phase oh, one okay. is taking the photo. Didn't realize that. I thought yeah, they were the absolutely. same. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay. So one of the things that's uh, going around is that there are a bunch of different options for what you can, how you can actually take your pictures. And... Honestly, in the last few years, camera phones have gotten really fucking good to the point where do you even need to go out and buy a point and click anymore or spend money on something else? Yeah, it's definitely a really interesting question because by the time you get into something like the some of the flagship phones like an iPhone 6S or one of the new, whatever the new Galaxy is. Nokia like that. that actually had like the crazy lens on the back of the camera that or back of the phone. That was like as good as some of the DSLRs. Yeah, basically, yeah. it's getting to the point where you're getting a camera with a phone built in instead of a phone with a camera built in. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there, it really does give you a lot of options to be able to take some fairly high end photos of your miniatures without having to go out and spend another, you know, 40K armies worth of <laughs> dollars yeah. on a DSLR or other fancy camera that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So. So yeah, so I guess we're looking, when we're looking at um, these introductions, your basics, one of the main things that um, kind of differentiates the camera phones versus the point and shoot or the DSLRs is realistically the light sensitivity. So I think one of the main things for sure to, to key into is that there's going to be a, a discussion of lighting and we're going to actually focus a little bit more on the lighting and the backdrops and stuff in a future episode. But um, if you have a good lighting backdrop or a good like couple of lamps and that sort of a thing, 
you really don't necessarily need to go out and buy like a five, six, seven hundred dollar camera. You can do with an iPhone, with your Nokia, whatever that not Lumia Nokia, thing. Lumia. Yeah. <laughs> with those with those really high end smartphone cameras, like you can do probably 80-90% of what you can with with a regular camera with outbreaking yeah. the bank and everything. So And I think for me especially when you compare it to the photos we were taking five or six years ago with cameras that we spent several hundred dollars on. Oh god, where yeah, you could print something out the size of a postage stamp and still count the pixels. Yeah. Yeah. So and it also I think when you're looking at the camera that you want to use, you really have to ask yourself the question of what are you using the photo for? Yeah. If you're just trying to get that that picture of that work in progress up there for some comments and criticisms, you know what? Get some decent lighting, um, hold it steady, and it's probably good enough with your camera phone. Absolutely. Yep. So one of the things that I know you can also pick up, that's something I've always meant to, because again, uh, I wanted to get a DSLR a while ago, but they're stupidly expensive. And I have other hobbies, oddly enough, that we talk about occasionally. Um, I wanted to pick up a camera phone tripod, because they actually do make these. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I find the hardest thing to do with a camera phone when you're taking pictures of a model is to keep it steady. So I've had all sorts of weird contraptions of books to sandwich things together so that the camera doesn't move. And <laughs> Something then to lighting. prop it up against. Yeah. yeah. These, uh, these tripods are uh, basically just sort of friction fit, like you turn a knob and it tightens down on the phone, or there's elastic bands. So it's from the cheaper ones. It's like a little spring yeah. clip sort of a thing. And they're cheap. They're Pretty straightforward to use. You can usually pick them up Best Buy, that kind of thing. That's probably a good thing to do if you're going to go with a camera phone um, as far as accessories goes. And I think for me, if you're looking at the camera phone, the biggest pro of it is that, A, you probably already own it because who, do, <laughs> who doesn't have a smartphone these days, Yeah, which is a huge positive for it. And then the other thing is you've always got it with you, right? So it's not like you have to worry about when and where you're taking photos of your models. You can just whip it out. Yeah. You totally And you can whip it out in public if you want. Uh, keeping it classy. <laughs> you know, it's what we do. Yeah. But that being said, these uh, the biggest thing on my mind is your light sensitivity, and we'll touch on that later. There's ways to get around that. You can always fake it with lighting. Uh, that's kind of the entire point of photography. But one of the things that you will never get to the same degree is a lens. The the DSLRs and even the point and click uh, like I guess the old school type like thirty five millimeter type cameras yep. um, have the option of adding on a lens and that's usually where you start to get into um, slightly better quality. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's many different types of lenses and this is where again my expertise drops off. <laughs> and there's probably camera nerds out there that are gonna get a little upset about us. Oh, it's you, Steve. Don't get upset. Oh, don't worry. We're not going to get full on intricate details into DSLRs because I'm not. I don't know. I don't know one. How about this? (laughs) So let's just. I thought you did. That's okay. Interesting. If you're going to do use a DSLR, is that yeah? Digital single lens reflex. Okay, sweet. So what the hell does that mean? Um, Get a macro lens and be happy having spent like eight hundred dollars. And if you're already looking at that, you probably know more than we do anyway at this point. Yeah. Yeah, for our usual uh, routine of trying to get people who maybe know a little bit about the subject and bring them up there to something a little bit more practical and, you know, useful, that's that's kind of what we're focusing on here. So. Absolutely. Um, so you were kind of talking about lighting, and I know for me when it comes to the, like a point-and-click digital camera outside of just uh, a camera phone, yep. is really being able to control that shutter speed. Absolutely. That is, is where you're getting a lot of that a lot of the light factoring in and you can kind of control for low light. Yeah, there's kind of two factors to that discussion. There is the aperture size, which is like how big the the shutter opens up to let light in. So if the aperture opens up wider and you get more light in, 
You can have the aperture open for a shorter period. Basically, those are the two factors to increase the amount of light getting onto the sensor so that you can get your, your, um, your decent photos with the proper lighting. And on, on a smartphone, you don't generally have access to any of those controls. Sometimes you can get the apps that give you a little bit more control, but they don't have nearly the same um, range of aperture and you don't have nearly the same control to shutter speed. So generally what a smartphone is doing a lot of the time, a lot of the time, to um, control, to help you get like those steadier photos by not having a long exposure time. In a lot of cases, it is increasing the sensitivity, which is basically just throwing all the quality after a certain point completely out the window. So if you're taking a photo with a smartphone in low light conditions, that's why you notice the photos are a lot grainier. If you zoom in, you kind of get that little bit of like, you know, rainbow speckles almost. It's kind of like digital static. Yep. As you're getting so many little stray photons and stuff getting in there because it's, it's trying hard, it's cheating, it's doing all the little fixes that it can to compensate for the fact that it doesn't have the same aperture and the same other abilities that a regular uh, point and shoot or DSLR will have. So, so, I th so it is a little bit more important when you're using, I mean, some of the really high-end camera phones can do a better job than they would even a year or two ago, but you do definitely need a little bit better light um, to get those decent quality photos. One of the nice things is that if you're taking photos that are near your painting desk, ideally you should have some pretty good lamps nearby anyway so that you can <laughs> see what you're doing when you paint. You hope, yeah. I mean, I've painted in the dark before and I'm lazy, and that's that's how you end up with not so good looking models. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you started with <laughs> shitty looking models and finished with shitty looking models because it's BattleTech. True, I could have made them a lot better than I did, but I was lazy and it backfired. But, um, but yeah, so that lighting will make a much bigger difference with um, with the camera phones for sure. So if you do have, um, if you do have like the the quick and dirty basics of the lighting, I guess is you don't you don't want um, the really stark shadows from one light source. So ideally, you're probably having at least two lamps uh, so that you can get them from, like, if you're taking a picture at your painting desk, like, if you have one that's on your left, one on your right, and um, and no major light sources coming from behind the miniature, so you're not getting a bunch of glare, that'll help out quite a bit, and your phone and everything will be able to, you know, focus on the miniature a little bit better, not have to cheat and find all those other settings where it can, you know, try and get the sensitivity up and get the light levels up, and you can get a lot better quality miniatures that way, or photos of your miniatures that way. So I, I think if we're going to try and look at this in a way to review the two options here for the pro, for kind of what, or maybe try to direct someone towards one over the other. Yeah. Uh, can you really think of a setting where if you can get all of the things the same, like for lighting, backdrops, whatever else, mm -hmm. is there really a benefit today to using something other than a smartphone? Be the main I think there thing? definitely is because you can you uh, those cameras again with those lenses are going to be much higher quality than your smartphone and even again the the software that tricks the camera uh, on your smartphone to make it look passable is not nearly as good as the software that's actually going to be inbuilt to a DSLR or the manual settings that you're then yeah you know, going in and opening the aperture setting the shutter speed and sensitivity. Now, one of the things you can do with a smartphone is there actually are, beyond, surprisingly enough, beyond the default camera apps, mm -hmm. you can purchase some of the, uh, um, like, $2, they're, they're dirt cheap uh, camera apps that actually allow you to sort of play with some of those settings. A lot of the times they're faking it uh, because you simply do have a smaller sensor and you have a smaller aperture and that kind of thing. Uh, but you can kind of fake it. So I think what you're, what you're asking is totally fair that for 99% of people, your smartphone's going to be able to do as good of a job as anything else out there. So who is going to want something beyond a smartphone, I guess would be the question. 
I um, think somebody that starts taking pictures that have, like, they're working backdrops into it or want to start playing around in Photoshop to mess around with the image, something where you want super high resolution, you are going to... Uh, there, I can't remember the name of the artist that I'm thinking of right now, um, but he does a lot of really thematic shots where there's a lot of source lighting behind the uh, models. For his miniatures? That's it, for its miniatures, where it's super dark. Oh, I actually said for his miniatures, but oh. did I accidentally? <laughs> I think you might have <laughs> What the Fritz? fuck? I'm pretty sure it's something like Fritz. It starts with an F. But it's, he does like a lot of like fog effects and low light images. Oh, the guy that was always on the Games Workshop, like What's New Today. That guy, from the yes. Day? Yeah, with the fog light and yeah. Yeah, his very thematic. Super thematic now. images. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be where I think, I would guarantee you he's using a DSLR. Or at the very least, one of the higher end point and click that has yeah. like full manual control as an option. Yeah. Yeah, because he's leaving that shutter open for a long time to get those low light exposures to do that really, really uh, thematic sort of shot. Yep, so what I'm getting then? Point. And right. um, sorry, I was gonna say I think it really just depends on like what you're taking uh, pictures for. So if like you're doing like a blog or if you got like a website. Uh, you're submitting um, articles to like uh, Bell Law Souls or something like that. Yeah, you might want to invest you, in something. You might want to invest in something like that yeah. uh, to bump up your, your game essentially, right? Yeah, so, makes sense. But I mean, like, uh, for just like kicking around at home and such, I think most people are going to use their own cell phone because they already have one. Like yeah, why wouldn't you? And it's interesting for myself because I've had some of the, um, the mid-range, like, like I say, I don't have a digital SLR. But the last few years, um, when I have bought a camera, I tend to purchase something like those kind of halfway between your point and click cameras and the digital SLRs. So like my um, one of the current cameras that I like to recommend right now, I believe the current model is the Canon PowerShot S120. Ooh, so it sounds fancy. But um, the one I have, I think, was the 110, where it's, regardless of the names and serial numbers, it's basically halfway between, like I said, a, a basic point and shoot and a digital SLR. So it actually has the focus ring on the outside so you can assign it different functions like the shutter speed or the zoom or the focus or whatever and get a lot more easy access to the manual controls and uh, it does have the full manual settings they, they do have like 1080p 60 frame a second video capability all that sort of a thing uh, I think the current ones are what 12 or 14 megapixels something like that basically way more than you need for snapping a photo and putting it up on a website or on Facebook or anything like that but um, it's interesting, for a lot of folks like myself who have those cameras, a significant portion of the time we still actually are lazy and use our smartphones. And with, Lazy? Not you, with Dan! The, I know, it's, it's shocking. It's, it's quicker to grab. But with, uh, yeah, like you said, it's always with you. It's always in your pocket. The batteries are, you know, if you have one of these phone or a phone, it's in your pocket, it's charged, it's ready to go. Whereas whenever I often go to grab my Canon to take a good quality photo, I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't charged the battery in the last six months. So, <laughs> so you don't know if it's going to have any charge left and all the rest of it. But if you use a little bit of software, a little bit of editing, for taking pictures of single miniatures, I really don't think you need to have those cameras by any stretch. Like your smartphone, your iPhone, whatever, it's going to be able to take photos of a single miniature with decent lighting, decent background, no problem. Like even up until a couple months ago, I was still using my decrepit old iPhone 4S and it was still taking the majority of photos that I put up on my, my blog on the Facebook, on all these other things, all these different pages, 99% of the time those photos were taken with my iPhone 4S and they look good because it was often with a tripod or some, at least some little makeshift tripod to yep. take any of that handshake yep. out of the equation and with decent lighting, a little bit of a backdrop. But there is, to me, there's one major thing that, um, that you can't really get with a camera phone compared to the manual controls of a better camera. 
And that's actually group photos. Because depth of field is a very tricky subject in a lot of ways. Oh, I thought you meant like one of those crazy features where you click a button and it shoots like 10 images right away. Oh, like burst like shot? Like burst shot. But you yeah. mean grouping of models Yeah, I mean like if you're, actually, if you're actually putting yeah. 10 or 12 models gotcha. on your backdrop and trying to take a picture of an entire regiment, an entire army, that sort of a thing. Yeah. If you want decent quality and you want all the photos to be, or all the elements of the photo to be in focus at the same time. Yeah, with a cheap with camera them. phone, yeah. you don't have enough controls over the aperture because that's well, that, really what it comes down to is the aperture and the zoom. Yeah, that's and, what I was going to talk about. Is it's, it's really the size of the lens again that yeah. you just can't simply expand to to capture that that field. One does not simply use a camera phone to capture an entire unit worth of models. One does not simply. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But so for me, that's um, that's definitely one of the cases where you're going to, if you're doing a lot of um, large groups and you want them to all be in focus, and real, like sometimes you can get that really cinematic effect where you want one part of the camera or one part of the shot to be in focus, the rest to be a little bit more blurry in the background. But a lot of the times, if you're painting a whole unit, painting an entire army, you want them all to be in focus. Otherwise, what's the point of putting them all in the shot together, other yeah. than to prove to your friends that you occasionally paint more than one model? Or you can't uh, prove that, Dan. You can't prove that. But yeah, that. so for me, for me, that is definitely one of the major selling features, especially if you're a commission painter where you're doing a lot of high-volume projects and you're, you have a commercial incentive to take better quality photos and show off what you're capable of. Oh, yeah. Well, if, if you're, you're posting doing... poor quality photos that don't show off your actual painting ability, people are going to start getting suspicious. No, but that's, that's, the way it, <laughs> that's the way it goes. I mean, like you never see any professional photographer using their phone unless they're doing some sort of weird art project. You know what I mean? Like, or I simply trying to prove my phone. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, as soon as you step into that sort of professional realm, you need to use a professional tool, and that's just not yep. a phone. And at that point as well, the, so if you're looking at doing a lot of the, um, the high-quality group shots and you're not looking to spend like realistically 800 ish dollars for a DSLR. Yeah. There are a few, um, like I said, that Canon power shot, I believe the S one twenty, not the digital elf series power shot. Those I'm not a huge fan of personally, but the power shot S one twenty, I believe those retail Canadian for about five fifty six hundred. 600. Okay. So they're actually a lot cheaper than the cell phone that cost you know, me a thousand dollars when I bought it because mm-hmm. the way my contract is structured. Yep. But um, those will those will do a hell of a job for you. They can do lots of uh, your YouTube quality, you know, video recordings and stuff like that as well. The Canon, um, the S120s do, like I say, 60 frame a second, 1080p, decent sound quality, all the rest of it. So those type cameras with full manual control, the better you get with the phone, those, or sorry, with the camera, they can, it can scale up with you in a lot of ways. The only downside being you don't have the modular lens system that a full digital SLR would have, so you can't buy a macro lens, buy a big telephoto lens, buy a, all these different features to upgrade your phone down the road. Yep. Okay, so I guess to summarize here, realistically what we're looking at is, unless you're really trying to use this to push your brand and try to make money off of it, like if you're a commission painter or a painter or running a high-end blog or something like that. Or you really just like taking photos that are cool. Or, or, yeah. you're, or you're wanting to do the more artistic side of the yep. photos of your models. Yeah. You really don't need anything other than a smartphone. Because the basic one or two hundred dollar point and shoot cameras, they're basically the same technology as your smartphone, just with a little bit of a telephoto, um, like zoom lens. Yeah, because yeah, that's that's also one of the only other things that you can't really do with a smartphone is if you're zooming on your smartphone, it's just blowing up the pixels rather than actually changing the optics. Yeah. So don't bother zooming on your cell phone; just crop it down later. It's a much, much less destructive process for your photo quality. But okay, so, so yeah. 
Sorry, yeah. end of interruption. <laughs> okay, so for your average person, absolutely, let's, let's move it on. Like you're going to be using your smartphone. The vast majority of the time, with our current generation, I would say yes. So what are some of the things that we can recommend, if you're going to be using a smartphone, to then take better photos? Well, I think we, we already touched on tripod, big one. Uh, something to stop the shake. Uh, we, we won't talk about backgrounds and, and lighting. Well, we could talk about backgrounds. I think we'll that, talk about lighting more specifically. Okay. <clears throat> and, that's, and, that's, that, and that's what I wanted to bring up, actually, because uh, Dan has uh, certain backgrounds that he uses where it's kind of like a white uh, middle, and then it kind of like expands into the different colors. You got like a black, yeah. It's uh, kind of like um, smoky kind of haze. It's kind of like a smoky hazy cloud background with a spotlight on the center of it, sort of a thing. And yeah, it's just a an image that you can grab off of uh, the Google Tubes because I actually printed it off. A couple oh, of times I'm trying to remember it. where that specific image was hosted. You that sent one. it to me, and I lost it. So me yeah. too. Yeah, but basically, <laughs> what we're trying to say is if oh, you shoot, have what's the name of the blog, those the old my school. Uh, like you think about the the photos you took at elementary school, you know what I mean, where they had the different backdrops. Oh, the Johnson's out. background. The Johnson's yeah. backdrop. Johnson's that actually not, does not make the a lasers of the library, but like the weird smoky background. <laughs> yeah, you want you want the lasers though. That's pretty badass. Let's be honest. <laughs> full so full I think uh, what, one of the funniest things for me about these is that they're intentionally blurry, so your camera doesn't try and focus on them. Yeah, that's yep. actually one of their the type of background that I use is actually very strategically chosen in a lot of ways not to mess up with the algorithms in your camera for autofocus, for white balance, uh, for all these different things that it's trying to do to automatically compensate for features that you don't know how to set yourself. Yeah. And um, so yeah, having a background like that by having kind of a general faded, smoky background, there's no sharp lines, there's no sharp edges, so the, um, the autofocus isn't trying to focus on the background. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's one important. of the things and also definitely... by having something that's relatively monotone you're not throwing off the auto white balance and getting weird rainbow colored so that's one of the well. things you can definitely do uh, to make your, your photos better uh, mm -hmm. but the other thing is is grabbing one of the apps that uh, allows you to have manual control over things that your default camera will not um, so you upgrade your, your app you get a background you get a tripod and a good light and you're probably in good shape that's really all you're going to need yeah, and I think um, one of the things, too, is if you are using multiple lamps, and it applies to your painting as well, um, if you're painting with multiple lamps, I would definitely recommend that you get the same kind of light bulb for both, so you, end up, you don't end up with any weird color cast issues. Like, yeah. a lot of times I just yeah. say buy two of the same lamp if it's a good deal and a good price and all the rest of it. Just buy the two, buy two of the light bulbs, that sort of a thing, so that you're getting, you know, proper, or at least consistent use of the light spectrum so that it's not throwing off your camera. It'll yeah. look on the screen the same way it looks to your eye while you're painting it. The the biggest thing with that though, you're talking about like um, two different like light sources coming on like one model. Yep. Uh, for my painting desk, I've got a big circular light that's like a white light, and then a center like yellow bulb. So both lights together uh, work out like with a full spectrum. I think so. I think that could work. Well, that's a little bit different because then you're sending them from the same direction. Uh, yeah, that, so that's ideally, what I'm saying. Following yeah. on what Dan's saying, if you had two of those lamps, so you're not getting just the shadows from one direction. If it's two, di if it's if it's uh, two directions on a single model, I agree with like a single type of bulb for sure. No, no. But what I'm saying is, for your lamps, if you had two of them, you could use that for photography. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the same amount of light from the same spectrums is going to both sides of the model. You wouldn't want to have one blue on the left and one yellow on the right. That would throw is it the off. issue. That's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's what you want to try and avoid. Yes. But if you're sending blue and yellow from both sides, it's balancing out and doesn't matter. Yes. That's. Yes. I have no we're idea what your lamp looks We're saying like. the same thing. <laughs> Do you love Different lamp, ways. though? I love lamp. I was actually going to start 
the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Moving on. We've talked about cameras. Yeah. A huge amount. So Use your phone. We're good. Future episodes a little bit. We can spend a bit more time on some of the specific backdrops, some of the specific lighting setups, something along those lines. Get a little bit more technical than us just pulling things out of our butt. Yep. Okay, so we spent enough time talking about (laughs) things that might be useful. And here at Hobby Name Canada, we try really hard not to just conjecture about rumors and talk about things that we have zero real information on. And today, let's say fuck that. And and let's totally talk about something that we have no idea if it's actually happening. No, no, it is happening, but we have zero details whatsoever. The Games Workshop app did announce it. The Warhammer app included the news release. It just doesn't have any actual information. That specialist games are coming back maybe sometime in the future. Possibly. No, no, no. They are coming back. We just don't know in what format. Or when. Or when. (laughs) But what we do know is that Forge World may or may not be involved in it. Yeah, so if, for those of you that haven't noticed or seen this, there was a single like paragraph kind of thing that came out of the Warhammer app that said uh, that there's going to five be... Five paragraphs, let's get it straight. Five paragraphs. One paragraph that's specifically direct. Let's be very <laughs> accurate with our nonsense Yeah, uh, There was one here. specific paragraph that talks about that the, this team will also be responsible for some of the other games that GW has produced, such as, and like... Necromunda, Blood Bowl, Blood Bowl, Gothic, and I think they mentioned one Epic. of the war Epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood Bowl, Epic, Necromunda, and Battlefleet Gothic are the ones that they specifically name drop after talking about Battle of Calth or Betrayal at Calth. Yeah, so this this group that's doing Betrayal at Calth is apparently going to also uh, run these specialist games, which is weirdly similar to the way it used to be, where they sort of had the specialist games department that was separate from 40k and fantasy. Yep. So. That's super cool for old school nerds like us. For those of you that haven't played a lot of the specialist games, I'm interested to see how well they do because we're looking through the prism of holy shit, they were cool when they came out. Are they still cool? I don't know. When yeah. we played Warmaster, I enjoyed the shit out of it. That was super fun. I think it's a good game, but I don't actually know because I have so much bias. <laughs> and, and it's hard to dif- dissociate the nostalgia. The yep. question I'd like to ask you guys. At this point of the general kind of gaming meta with with so many different games out there and so many alternatives for these formats and styles of games, have they missed the boat? Is I, it too late? Is it too, uh, too late? Well, here's the thing. Who here purchased Drop Fleet? Mm. Three out of five. <laughs> and would you go back to a Imperial Cruiser over the UCM stuff? No, God no. Now, but that's one game. And that's also assuming that they don't update the models from 1999. Exactly, and that's a big thing. If we're talking about uh, revamping the releasing the, the range, all the specialist games. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is Lord of the Rings not now part of the specialist range? Not mentioned. Not um, mentioned. I'm pretty sure they're happened. dropping that as soon as they can. I thought it got moved to specialist. They, to they talked about nothing. That. Nothing. Lord of the Rings is mentioned mm. in that official right. announcement whatsoever. Maybe I was drinking. So my real concern here is uh, they mention all these games that have existing model ranges that are mostly pewter. So fine cast. What are they going to do? Because they've they've avowed to not use fine cast for these things because it was a flop. So do they re-release everything in plastic, or do we see a return to very specialist games uh, pewter models? Well, the way the way they announce it in the in the app is that they talk about, about Betrayal at Calth being uh, the first of many new box games and standalone sets coming over the next few years. 
So it kind of clarifies a little bit that it's not happening necessarily right away. No, it's going to be years out. It's not necessarily going to be a full miniature range with expansion sets. It might just be a Dreadfleet or Space Hulk style one and done. But the thing that's crazy about this to me, though, is I, I look at it a lot from the Battlefleet Gothic standpoint because that's my favorite specialist game. I know that not everybody will agree with me on that. I agree uh, that James, it's your favorite. Uh, that is good. <laughs> it's the best out of the, 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 the whole bunch. But... Andy Chambers penned the rule set for that, and he has also penned the rule set for Drop Fleet. Fleet. So he will have two games he has directly created competing against each other in the marketplace. And I think that could be part of the reason that Games Workshop is trying to jumpstart jump their specialist game systems again, because they see now how many skirmish games, skirmish are huge. games yeah. and Space Fleet games and all of that stuff. Like It's making money, and they want a piece of the pie. I don't think... It's going to be as big as they're hoping, because all these other saturated. yeah, I agree. It's well, not necessarily saturated, but I think like all of these other companies have now like invested their time and effort into creating like a new background, a new history, and yeah. Games Workshop has kind of let theirs fall by the wayside. Well, again, Hawk has two games. They have uh, Drop Zone and Drop Fleet. That's it. And GW has a million games. Well, I mean, that Kickstarter is looking for forty thousand pounds. And it has raised over 360 now. Yeah, no, it's going well. But you know what? I, I honestly think they're going to get some people that have nostalgia mm-hmm. for all yep. these special games. But honestly, they've missed the boat because all these new companies are more innovative. They look prettier. Their rule slots are cleaner. They've got better customer support. So unless they pull off a miracle, I don't think this is going to be successful to them. And I think for me, the single reason that I think it'll be a flop for Games Workshop, Mike touched on, is the support. The community support, the... Well, you look at... Pri- games, or, yeah, sorry, Privateer Press. War Machine. Would not be the game it is today were it not for how the community supports it. Malifo, same thing. You get all the, the tournament packs and everything from Infinity... All these companies that are really pushing these as their flagship games and putting every resource into making them actually a stable community. They're not just producing miniatures and saying, here you go. But, dude, can you imagine if they come up with a Blood Bowl reboot that takes into account the community's continued love of the game? It's still a big game. Yeah, in Europe, it's nuts. I don't understand it personally, but... Uh, Gen Con runs like (laughs) a 60-person Blood Bowl tournament every year. They could be successful, but they're going to have to change the way... They're going to have to redo the models. Sorry, But that's what I'm saying. Imagine if you had a... uh, I have the old ones. They suck. Imagine if you had a new Blood Bowl starter set that had current-level fantasy release-style models. Mm -hmm. That would be... I mean, I don't think that... I still do maintain that GW is... Maybe not the best in every situation, but by far one of the best model producers. One of the leaders. One of the leaders. 100% technologically, uh, aesthetic aside, their plastic production is unparalleled. But their old models are shit, so comparatively. So if you have a new updated sort of Blood Bowl team, that is going to absolutely decimate uh, things like Dreadball. No one gives Kill a fuck ball. about those Mantic games. But you know what? They, they actually they do sell. They're they're actually doing well. Um, their Kickstarters were pretty good. So I think if you can take some the wind out of those sales, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I think like, for, from GW's standpoint, from my standpoint, I want there to be a ton of different competing companies. But I think for Blood Bowl, you're probably right. But I'm really worried about games like Epic, where assuming Epic comes out in about a year or two. 
Epic wears me out because it was never that popular in the first place. It wasn't a huge yeah, game. Yeah, and that's going to be in direct competition with a game like Drop Zone Commander, which in two years from now is going to be more than five factions. Yep. It's going to have... That's what I'm saying. Unless they're supporting and expanding at the same time that they're doing this, all these other new companies that have picked up the, the slack and the gap in the market are innovating and are expanding and are renovating everything. Yeah, in a lot of ways it's not, like before it was GW setting a standard and now it's all these other companies that have yeah. filled the void. Mm-hmm. They've set a pretty high bar already and half-assing it is not an option. No. The, the way that it was described in your uh, paragraph there, it, it almost seems like they're going for the individual box sets like uh, Dreadfleet and so on and so forth. And that is something that is a stated priority for their uh, their current CEO. I don't know his name. But that was, I guess, part of his um, part of his narrative or whatever coming into the position was he was big about collectible releases, splash releases, uh, one-off boxes, a lot of things that can, without committing a huge amount of studio time and commitment, drive a lot of attention and uh, new directions for the studio. So with, with that, I think that they could succeed in that way. I don't think that they're going to support it the way that you're thinking necessarily in uh, in players' packs and tournament formats and that sort of thing. I think it's going to be more of like the individual box sets. So it's going to be like a single game system and maybe try to capitalize on board game players and get them in that way. Maybe to the main systems kind of thing? Yeah, yeah maybe to board game players. But one of the things, if I was to look at one of these boxes, and let's say they're going to be about 150 bucks. Yeah, okay. similar Reasonable. to Betrayal at Calf or Execute a little less. Yeah, between, between 100 and 200, price. right? Yeah. So if they're going to release an epic game, and I don't know for certain if I'm ever going to see models outside of that box set ever released, why am I going to buy that box set? Uh, I actually disagree with that. I think that there are plenty of people that see that as totally fine. Like, look at uh, Rum and Bones. Rum and Bones! You could pick up, and I don't know how much that costs I you. bought everything. How much does the main box set cost for Rum and Bones? Uh, I think 120 So if they come in and around that range with that quality, because the Rum and Bones models are good, but they're but not they GW They had tons of level. additional crews in that original yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah, there's a shitload of expansions. That's not just a core set. That was also a Kickstarter that managed to raise the money to get those expansions. And I think GW's going to be the same way, except obviously without Kickstarter. I'm just worried they produce Redfleet. I, well, I hear you, and they're going to have some flops for sure. But I don't think, honestly, I don't think they're going to repeat that mistake because no, the fact that that was a splash release only game, and you can still walk into a lot of stores and find it on the shelf, they have the evidence staring them in the face that that model of a one-off, one and done, no expansions, it do- it didn't sell for them. I don't think they're going to do that again. But also, which is also why Betrayal at Calth is a lot more like 40k kits that are lumping into one as a test run for a new board game. But, but it's, it's most, on the back. But it's mostly a vehicle to sell the miniatures. But that's the thing that's interesting about the the uh, Dreadfleet is the models were such a departure from anything GW has really ever done before. Except Manowar. Well, even that was that was <laughs> I had that. and ancient. That was that was a very on the topic of ancient. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is though, right? Like Manowar came out of that that same period where they also had Car Wars. What's wrong mm. with Car Wars? They, they didn't have a, they didn't have a unifying design aesthetic at that point. Is my point. I think the other advantage that GW might have going into it is that they've seen Kickstarter um, kind of develop since Specialist Games kind of went by the wayside. And now um, just the format of Kickstarter and their stretch goals and, and extra releases, they can see how much people are invested in those extra add-ons and such. And I'm yeah. sure that they've done research on it and so. maybe have plans of releasing. Like There's somebody there that knows what they're doing, we could hope. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. I still so, can't believe that. 
As much as I'm loving ha- like the heresy stuff right There's now, just a monkey in a room with a bunch of fucking controls <laughs> driving it all over the place. And and again, like Steve was saying, like I'm looking at it rose colored glasses because I really did like the specialist games. So don't get me wrong, I love them. If they bring out all the armies for Warmaster, I am in serious trouble. But that's a problem that Warmaster is not. Warmaster and um, Mordheim are not on that list. Yeah, exactly. They fucking blew up the planet. So what do you mean they blew up the planet? The older, like straight oh, up planet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. They but blew like, up. like would they do like Age of Sigmar Master? I thought it was some or... euphemism <laughs> that I had known again, and I didn't want to know. Masters of Sigmar. No. No. Masters of Sigmar. I like where that mm. one's going. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it is an, it will be an interesting for me. One of the most interesting things is to see what they do with the old world because they're not on that list. And that planet where all these other settings were developed is blown up. You can't just go back and do Necromunda. If you blow up the planet. But it's not Necromunda anymore. <laughs> I disagree. I, I think that they can go back because they can just say it's a specialist game. Fuck it. Yeah, and that's fair. I think for me, I'm cautiously optimistic, but one of the things that leads me more to be cautious than optimistic is that they've burned me once with specialist games. But they got you with Battle of Cal. No, no, no. But like, I mean specifically <laughs> with specialist games. Yeah, no, 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 they had these yeah. great games that they were seemingly releasing a few things for a year. And they were never getting the full force that the other yep. systems got, but yeah, they were still getting something. Steady releases they had updated rules every once in a while, and yep. it was great, and it was perfect. And then it was gone. And then you cried alone at And night. so I don't know that if Games Workshop has a business model that can allow them anymore to support these games that don't bring that same quick, fast revenue all the time. That's and so I feel that with That's their true. current format, I don't think they're actually going to be able to support these in a meaningful way. However, there is a company that does it really well called Forge World, and, <laughs> and I'm hoping that maybe if GW releases these games, you might see some Battlefield Gothic that Forge World develops. And oh my god, that an interesting tie-in. Don't even talk about that. There's, I would lose my face. There seem to be some photos somewhere that I saw of it. Looked like a Forge World guy with like an epic scale, like New Warlord Titan or something, standing there, like Ooh, the new design one. Yeah, because Forge World is actually doing a lot of their new large vehicle designs, um, 3D God. print. Oh, so really? Because like if you look at the really high res photos of even like their new um, Leviathan Dread. You can see that tiny little bit of uh, granularity in the curves. You can see, you can actually see it on the Contemptor as well, where on its exhaust axe, the original one, hmm. you can see those little lines where it's either from the slight little bit of like visible polys, or it's actually from the print, the resolution of the printing as well. But you can actually see where they didn't quite get all of it before they cast it. So I'm suspecting, and judging by that, I know for a fact this, um, what are they, the Solar Auxilla yard? Yep. Those were all, um, they were showing renderings of those rather than sketches before they came out. So I think they're doing a lot of this stuff with 3D print now and then doing the prototyping that way, which means scaling things down into 6 mil mil scale, if it's already done as like a super high resolution 3D Mm -hmm. model, it's not that hard. No, not at all. Like it's dozens of hours not completely starting from scratch to make a Titan in uh, Well, I can tell you right now, it's not dozens of hours at all. You literally just go crop down to size (laughs) and hit print. With the, with and the, the little print. nubbins just are a little smoother for the resolution, but that's literally <laughs> it. It's, there is a lot more work that goes into that to making a production and printable model in a different sure. scale, because a lot of those details that exist in the full scale will completely and utterly disappear, and you need to Remove. recreate them in a scale that will actually show up in the print. Yeah. So 
Like, no, having spoken a lot to the guys that are doing the 3D prints, like, for Battletech, it is probably oh. a couple dozen hours. <laughs> as a perfectly viable comparison, it's a couple hours, not probably viable. 10 or 20 yeah, hours per model, but yeah, to okay. convert something from a high-res video game model to something that'll print, like, an inch high and have visible detail. So I think, Ward, you bring up a good point. If they do have a format where they release the core box from Games Workshop in plastic... With a, the odd expansion... Even even without, let's assume that they're shitty and they don't do that. But Forge World runs with it and maintains the rest of the of the model range as they did for as they, Gothic and, and they did right? for Epic they quite did a that bit because yeah. they kept doing Epic models Eldar years yeah after Games Workshop largely cast it by the wayside. I have a radical idea. I think some of them are going to do well and some of them are going to fail. <laughs> I I know. <laughs> uh, okay, predictions. Let's go around. Which is going to be your? Which do you think is going to be your biggest hit? And which is your biggest flop? Blood Bowl, Battlefleet Gothic. Only reason Battlefleet Gothic's in there is because it capitalizes on the 40k universe. And what's your biggest flop? Uh, in all honesty, probably Epic. Mike? I'm going to go with Blood Bowl as the big hitter. I'm going to say, uh, yeah, Epic's going to flop. That's never. I've never seen a big following. I've always wanted to try it, but I've never been able to find a following in all the years that I. Yeah, it had one, not a big one. Yeah, but that's the point. It was so small, I didn't find it. Ward, oh, it's a toss up between Gothic and Blood Bowl again. I would say. What other game? Like Uh, the four that are specifically named are Blood Bowl, Epic, Necromunda, and BFG. Necromunda is going to be in the middle of the pack. Well, I mean, skirmish games. It depends, because the thing is, right now, we're thinking Necromunda with the second Ed 40k rule set, which was insane and terrible and awful. Lots of Overwatch, bro. Dude, you <laughs> have, like, the number of dice you had to roll to resolve anything So many happening. 2d6 charts. Yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, but again, Necromunda models updated with, imagine their new scenery to do the Necromunda. Like a, multi-part, a multi-part plastic kit for each crew. And I, uh... Uh, and and considering uh, oh now we're now we're just like hey my wish list is this beside you right now Steve but I mean like with <laughs> give the, me some fucking orlocks <laughs> with the I amount, want some scabies <laughs> <laughs> with the amount of like skirmish games uh, that are like popular right now it, it it could be a viable thing but I think right out of the gate Blood Bowl would get yeah the win yeah and yeah Epic would get the fail which is weird because you. Know, come back to you in a second Dan but 40k <laughs> I think has the IP going for it and I, I feel like Epic's going to be the loser but I feel like all the other games like Necromunda Battlefleet Gothic would do fine and I don't know why Epic would be the failure it's a scale for me, I think it's the, scale. the amount of miniatures that are required like assuming they go with the old True. style Epic armies True. those are much larger armies than any of the other systems like BFG unless you were going with a huge amount of escorts our fleet could be 10 models or less. Like if you had, oh, easy. Yeah. If you had a couple of cruisers, a battleship, battleship, and a half dozen escorts, you're looking at 10, 12 models for your Well, my Eldar fleet. fleet ran a battleship, four cruisers, and six escorts, and that was a pretty normal yeah, size. that was a fairly standard formula. Yeah. Whereas, so what you, what's your predictions? I'm, mine is actually very similar to Ward's. I was actually thinking Necromunda, given I've always loved the background. I always figured it would make the best, one of the best video games of the 40k IP. True, actually, it's a very good point. Like, a fucking MMO Necromunda. Like, sign me up. Cal Jericho swinging in once in a while to fuck with your shit. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet, because, yeah, there's so many different classes you can kind of run in different backstories. Upper hive, lower hive, that kind of thing. I think by far the biggest ceiling for the four games is probably Necromunda. If they did it right with good terrain 
If it was like a box set and one or two clan packs per faction, that's all you would need. You could take on that Infinity market pretty quick. Absolutely. I, pr- I think they could destroy Infinity. Especially for me because of <laughs> the... I don't know. With the aesthetics if, are so different. If, if but for me, it's the scenery. It's the, 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 the scenery. Necromunda scenery done correctly because it would double up for 40k scenery. Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. would sell so much money just in scenery. That's Especially why for, I, uh, just so you know, Necromunda got at least 10 people I know I sucked them into playing 40k from Necromunda. Oh, easy. But that's what I'm saying. It, it, uh, if you had, or what I was trying that's to the say, drug. with the current line of sight rules being very similar to the way Necromunda line of sight rules worked back in the day, if they produced that kind of scenery for that game and make it playable, it directly translates into 40k. Yeah. And finally, we, instead of having 4th ed abstracted terrible scenery, we would actually get useful 40k scenery. I'd be cool with that. Yeah, I think that would be a great way for them to revitalize their 40k scenery, and it wouldn't be the same old skull, structural skull buildings. Yeah, it could it would, be. And it would, if they build the ramshackle... It would have to be. If they do the ramshackle near future, um, like, post-apocalyptic style, which is Necromunda, that also would tie into all these other skirmish games. So they could what we sell, totally brought about post-apocalyptic Gorka Morka. Yeah, not oh, on the list. Unfortunately, not on the list. But that would be the single best one as a one-off release. I'm shitting you not. One-off release Gorka Mork would do the best. Can we please though? <laughs> just they need to not have the you knock over a model. He's dead. Fuck you, Steven! That is fuck you and your dirty rule. horse mouth. <laughs> it's the stupidest fucking rule because they came on shitty bases. And oh yeah, they were so small. Weren't they? Shitty, they were shitty bases. So, so small. It wasn't about the bases. It was about using their arms to link into each other to stay on the truck. So Actually, it was barrel of monkeys. Barrel of monkeys on a truck. Yeah. Except <laughs> me too. Except the problem with that is you painted your models. And then you used clear... Well, I didn't at the time, but you should <laughs> use clear coat. You might want to use theory. multiple layers of hard coat, just the shiny stuff for that. Anyways, Dan, your stinker. Uh, of the bunch, it probably is epic. As much as I like the visuals and the idea of titans that don't cost you $8 million, all the rest of it, I think the, the hobby requirements of a game at that scale means it's the least, like, it's the least skirmish-sized of the bunch, which mm-hmm. to me is the higher barrier to entry, least likely to succeed. Tom, you know, I think I'm going to be very different from most of you here. Um, I actually think, I, I, I think you sold me on Necromunda, Dan. I, I think I'm going to go with that as my winner. I was originally going to say I think it could be epic for one reason. 40K is getting way too grandiose to a point where it, it's losing some of the scale that made the game interesting. Like, Carnifexes don't matter anymore when you've got these crazy titans. It's true. And a game like Epic... You can accurately represent the wide array of models. So I think a lot of 40k players might get really drawn into that, where you can get the feel and the aesthetic and the atmosphere of these epic, grandiose games without having to spend $700 on three nights. I I was just thinking about this too, yeah, where you can actually have like night formations... Uh, the size of your hand walking across the board could be pretty kick ass. <coughs> yeah, but, except for the problem is, I think I think the key with that would be since Forgeworld has so many variants, Forgeworld will have to have the yes, buy-in, yeah, and that is the absolute kicker. It's got to be the Forgeworld buy-in. <coughs> no, I, I disagree with that because the thing is, is you look at those tiny little knight models that are going to be two inches tall or whatever they're going to be, and they're cheap and they're whatever. And you can pick up one knight that is a centerpiece model for your army that you can spend a lot of time working on, that kind of thing. GW's always talked about being a model company and not a games company. And the model that you're going to want to rather paint, and, all, and I mean, that's this is without a doubt, is going to be that knight. 
Now, it's bigger. It's cooler. It's even if you do a shit job on it, it's it's going to be the centerpiece size. I'm going to slightly disagree with you here in that. All of a sudden, it's not going to be the knight that's your sweet centerpiece. It's going to be that imperial, like that the emperor warlord titan, the warlords. And as a guy that owns... Except he's going to be the size of a tag in Infinity. No, no, but let me finish this. As a guy that owns some of that old, epic uh, Forge World stuff for my orcs, those models were fucking amazing. It, in that scale, sure. the detail the on, the, on the Gargantuan Squigoth yeah. was mind-blowingly cool. So I think if Forge World jumps in on that one, I think that game has the greatest capacity, and... I, I so disagree, because you have to paint the infantry. Can you imagine doing a guard army? And you have to do the infantry. Yes, you get to do a Bane Blade, and maybe a World But it's War not Titan. that hard to paint, Like, and this is where one of the things comes <laughs> in. But it's not hobby at that point anymore. That's one of the drawbacks of that scale, and one of the reasons why Hawk does it better, because their models are bigger. Even their infantry. Well, well how do we know it's not going to be the same thing as Hawk? Epic is necessarily going to be 6 sure. mil. It might be 10. Sure. We, like, we don't have that level of detail. I yet. think sure. there's enough variety in that universe to have a greater cap. I'm not necessarily... True. True. Like, I think it has the greatest potential, and I honestly think... And this is where I disagree with you guys the most. I think Battlefleet Gothic is going to do worse than you think. Because for me, that's why I put it in the, firmly in the middle, is because it has direct competition. But go and ahead. not only direct competition, but fucking sexy direct competition. True. Drop. Yeah. Drop fleet. Did the rules. Drop fleet <laughs> looks good. The rules sound amazing. The models look amazing. And if that game is in full production swing, yeah. when Games Workshop tries to bring out Gothic, sure, you're going to get a couple guys that are playing 40k. Buying their gothic stuff mm-hmm. again, and a few of those nostalgic folks. Nostalgia, like I said. Even but if beyond nostalgia, I don't think it's going to have the staying power because Hawk's going to really push that game hard. But and the problem even is, if, is, even if Gothic comes out first, people have already pledged for the Kickstarter. That's true. And don't get me wrong; I think they're going to have a hard uh, fight ahead of them. But as far as a board game goes, if they're not going with a war game mentality, if they're going board game style, well, that they was, will be able to produce better miniatures technically than Hawk. That is that is without a doubt. But they won't have burned through lasers. Yep. They will not. So I think for me... They will have macro cannon and mass drivers, which are arguably cooler. The real issue for Drop Fleet by batteries, for Gothic no, no, just, is Drop Fleet is on one extreme where it is that going to be yeah. fully in-depth game, oh, yeah. miniature game with lots of beautiful models, and on the other end of the spectrum, as much wrong. as I fucking hate the game, they've got Farstrom Armada, which has shitty models, but it's cheap as fuck. Don't get me if wrong. If you want a fleet game for $45, you've got one. Don't get me wrong. I really, I like the drop fleet stuff. Like, I'm good with it. I, I, there's, I'm picking it up. But I do think that the, the Battlefleet Gothic is going to do very well. Except in James's household. Oh, James hates it. Oh, God, he hates it. <laughs> well, the thing... The, you My have, fault. Sorry, James. They're coming out with a video game for Battlefleet Gothic, and yeah. it looks really cool. And that's, like, Hawk... Yeah, it's it's getting to be a big company, but nobody's making video games for Drop Zone yet. It's not there. People really buy into the IP, so I think that that's the thing. I don't know how historically well has Games Workshop video games done for selling their models and selling, getting the money. Uh, Dawn of well, it depends on which game, but Dawn of War. Okay, Dawn of War. I'll give you that one. Space but like, Marine did actually very well. Not enough to keep THQ out of bankruptcy. Because they kept wasting money trying to make shitty WCW games and stuff yeah. like that. They made lots of other games, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Space Marine was good. There, were, there are a lot games. of games that are really good. Like Shadow of the Horned Rat. <laughs> a game. <laughs> Chaos Gate. Chaos Gate. Actually, awesome. funny story. 
I shit you not, the reason I play Warhammer today is because of a game called Final Liberation. Final Liberation was amazing, and it was an epic 40k game. And it was turn-based, not RTS. I loved Epic Liberation. Mostly because of Orc <laughs> Lift to Drop Us. No, mostly because of the fucking <laughs> cock guns on the Gargans. Yeah. Quote, belly cannon. Oh my god. <laughs> no, but that's why I play fan. That's why I play miniature games, is because of that computer Final game. Liberation was sweet. You can still get it. You can still play it. Can I get it on here? Yeah, I think it's on, uh, I think it's actually av- available through Origin. Oh. I think so, yeah. You might be able to pick it up. It's always nice when you don't have to run like a DOS emulator to play these old games. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, so we should we should have a review of Final Liberation. All of us sit around and play that. Oh, game. like seriously, if you haven't played it, that game was <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. Really, really cool. All right. Anyways, I guess that yeah, that, that wraps up our really in depth, highly detailed investigative journalism <laughs> about investigatory. The, I believe is the term. Investigatory. That's right. We should go. Absolutely with that. sure. Of the one paragraph in a brief. Hey, like I said, five paragraphs. Get it straight. But it was only one, one paragraph mentioned specifically that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the so. four were about other things. All right. So moving on, events that are coming up here right away. Uh, we have board. Do you have that open or am I doing? Uh, off the top of my head, I know that there Next is weekend. the weekend this yeah this weekend. So by the time this podcast gets posted. We do this a lot. It should be the out of the basement, or not the out of the basement. Uh, the for the, the children, children charity, charity tournament. Event. It is in Calgary, November twenty first. Forty k war machine hordes and Age of Sigmar. Why do we even promote the ones that we know? At best case scenario, we're releasing the evening the event is done. Because I have a personal uh, bias in this one that I'm going to be there. Me too. Yeah, mm. Tom, me and you were driving down, so you can get your autographs because that's never happened I want to stay us, so. I want to stay married so I'm giving you money to take down nice perfect uh, and um, then after that uh, the next one that I know off the top of my head is the out of the basement uh, on at the Dinwiddie Lounge on the 16th and 17th of January yep uh, should mention that they are not doing a summer event so if you're thinking about holding out for the summer event and not going to go to this one it's not happening yeah, don't be it's done. only the winter so, so, Mike, do you know what systems they're running for this one? They are running Age of Sigmar. They are doing 8th edition Warhammer as well. They're doing Whoa. 40K. Yeah, both. They're doing Malifaux. They're doing Firestorm. Uh, X-Wing's also running. I've heard that. And there's something else. War Machine. War, there we go. War Machine. There we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, really cool. I almost had it all. Yes. I really interesting close. that this is, I think, one of the first tournaments locally that's going to run both uh, Age of Sigmar and 8th. So, pretty cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the head-to-head numbers there, which one gets the turnout. I think they're running on separate They are separate days. So you could do both if you wanted to. Yeah, so really I think like fans. The, the argument yeah. there is that 40K is the two-day event, yes. as they used to be. And for this one, with fantasy so up in the air, they're running one day for each. So if you want to be there just to play in the Warhammer Fantasy universe or the exploded version Something of happened. it, uh, you can actually get your full Absolutely. fantasy that weekend. Uh, beyond that, we should have a Malifaux tournament details to be coming on December 5th at All-Star. Uh, I do know it's going to be... Sorry, tournament on the 5th or details on the 5th? Tournament on the 5th, details hopefully <laughs> sooner than later. Cool. There's also Bryanson's Uncontrolled Fury at On the big- December 12th. Yes. So that one is 35 points. It's a great format. You're going to play seven games during the day. And after each game, you just move to the right. It's just two rows of tables. And you just keep moving around and keep playing games. And it's... An amazing way to get in way more War Machine than you could possibly imagine in the span of about seven hours. Love it. Love it. 
I think that's everything. No, actually, you know what? There's one more coming up. Uh, there's not enough details out that I can give you everything, but uh, if you're in the Edmonton drop zone, there is going to be a tournament, it looks like, on December 18th. Really? Which so I'm... A Friday? You're an item care about you. You don't play. Well, you can't. You, uh, you can't, can't talk. You no. can't go to that event Wait, December 18th Why? is a Friday. December because, 18th? Because that's Star Wars, bitch. Oh, is it Star Wars? I'm not going, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, that was the plan for that day, I believe. But yeah. But now I just wrecked your plan. Yeah, it's gone. I feel like you should reschedule because most nerds are going to be at Star Wars. Yes. That's a day where. Oh, it's you not me. I'm not doing it. I just it was Trevor reschedule it. That's <laughs> no, no. fucking Star Wars it's day. Like Trevor. Tre- Trevor's not running it. Brandon. It's Brandon. I think it's Brandon Thompson. Brandon reschedule <laughs> it. It's fucking Star Wars <laughs> day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trevor's got tickets to the movie too. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. It's, 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 if Trevor and Mike aren't going, you will not have drop zone players. <laughs> and in not really related news, but uh, oh, as a side no, note, I, you see this coming. But uh, a friend of mine, Alex Clark, he's out in um, Manitoba, I believe. He actually just ran a BattleTech convention. I wish, <gasps> what I, wish the I had. Fuck? I wish I had known in advance, so we could have sent Steve because <laughs> he said he would go. So if you, Alex, if you run it again next year, we're gonna send Steve. What? How fun <laughs> in Manitoba? Where in Manitoba? Winnipeg. Wait, I would assume so. I don't go? know specifically where. I the said if, was. A, if there is a convention in this world, I would go to it. And then apparently there's one. So there were tournaments. There were like mega battle style <laughs> things. There was like the full on. Dan, we have to go. Game don't of you feel silly, right? Hobby now. Night. I actually, if they run it next year, Hobby Night in Canada is doing a fucking road trip. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Awesome. No, I think my my Star exact Tech. words were: I will go to a BattleTech tournament anywhere in the world, and then immediately said, "Within reason." I'm <laughs> sure, there's one in like Sao Paulo or something. Yeah, and Winnipeg is within reasonable. Yeah. Within reason, I I would uh, I would eat my words and do that. I would I would fly out there. Yeah, so we, depending on when the next one yeah, is, we may drive. have another. It's uh, so far road away. Road. It's a pretty miserable drive, actually. <laughs> yeah. Having done it this summer, it sucks. I did. Did you just weekend. do it last weekend? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would for sure. But fly that was out. just on the Saskatchewan Manitoba board. So anyway, so now now that the important news is out of the way, you can go ahead and wrap this thing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I guess that's another episode of Hibernate in Canada. Until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. Mike. And I'm Steve. And paint your heresy models, because we will be!